Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The fourth and final stage of the loving seeker's experience, as portrayed in the Song of Songs, is to be called more strongly to live within the veil through the cross after resurrection. This is Matt Miller with Bob Danker for our seventh radio program from the Song of Songs Life Study. Bob, it's really good to have you here with me today for this I would say a special program. Yes, Matt. This book, Song of Songs, is a marvelous book full of symbols or figures of spiritual things. All the physical things in this book symbolize spiritual things. Solomon, uh, the great and wise king, is a picture of Christ. And this Shulamite country girl who is attracted to him and pursues him and has a loving relationship with him is a picture of the individual believer in Christ who passes through a number of different stages in her experience of Christ so that she is actually transformed from initially the picture in the book is that this lover of and pursuer of Christ is like a mare or a or strong horse full of natural strength. And then by experiencing transformation in her relationship with Christ, she becomes many wonderful things, uh, including a lily, uh, and she passes through many stages. And she enters into the experience of the riches of Christ's resurrection and his ascension. Anyway, this is a, a marvelous book that we can actually trace our own experience of Christ by following the experiences of this lover as she interacts with her beloved through the course of this book. Bob, I'm really glad you opened up that way because I was going to ask you that question to help our listeners who may be tuning in today for the first time because I started out saying we're in the fourth stage and you gave a good background there to talk about how the first stage really is a lover of the Lord seeking the Lord, but that's still the first stage where she's loving and seeking in a natural way. But the second stage is where that lover and seeker is brought into being saved through the cross from the self. She's in a particular description there in the second stage where she's behind a wall and her beloved is out leaping on the mountains and she's looking through a window and seeing him and and he's calling her to come out to the clefts of the rock, which is a, a high place. It's seemingly a hard place to get to, but it's a safe place. And that safe place is a place of our experience of the cross where we actually enter into the denial of ourself. The third stage, it talks about three things that she has become in the new creation of a believer. They're typified by her becoming a pillar of smoke in resurrection, something able to bear responsibility, to hold up something for the Lord, and then also a bed for the Lord to rest at night, and also a palanquin to be a glory to the Lord during the day. 
I love this book. I love this background. And I, I wanted to spend a few minutes on that before we get into today's fourth and final stage, which is called Further to Live Within the Veil After the Resurrection. And so we're going to see this today. Let me read a verse before we go to Witness Lee. It's from Hebrews chapter 10, so we can understand this uh, context of this word veil that's used in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. Having therefore, brothers, boldness for entering the holy of holies in the blood of Jesus, which entrance he initiated for us as a new and living way through the veil that is his flesh. Here's Witness Lee from his speaking in 1995. In the heavens, still there is a veil, a veil that separates the Holy of Holies from the holy place. Even though you are in the holy place, but when you enter into the Holy of Holies, the veil must be broken. Hebrew tells us this veil is a sign, a figure of our flesh. Then you may say, why we are now living in the ascension, we still have the flesh? Logic speaking, we cannot explain why. Even the heavens, the flesh still there. Logic speaking, it should not be. But experientially speaking, we know this. Why? You must remember, regardless how much today we are in heaven, Regardless how much today we are in our spirit, we are still in this old creation. Sometimes the so-called spiritual seeking ones, when they attain to a certain point, they declare that there are no more in the flesh. Even the Apostle Paul, he became dead spiritual. Still, God has no confidence in him. He might be proud because God gave him the highest revelations, this and that. So God put a sword on what? On his flesh. On the veil. He said, one messenger of Satan become a sword to his flesh to always control, subdue, or warn Paul that he still has the flesh. He's spiritual. He's not flesh, but he still has it. Can you see this? Never consider that you are an angel. No, you are a proper believer in God's process of his economy. And his economy is to first regenerate us and then to transform our soul. Still, the flesh is here. Be warned of that. Be aware of that. If you are careless, uh uh-huh. If you are careless, this will damage your spiritual life. So what? So this needs a stronger call. Not to remain ascension, but you have to enter into the veil. Let the veil be broken. The veil is your body, it's your flesh. Then you live within the veil. Not only the veil raven, but you pass the raven veil. You passed. Impossible, why you still stay on this side of the sanctuary, not on that side in the Holy Holy. We still learn. Every day I learn the lesson of the cross. 
Bob Witnessley is talking here about everyday learning the lesson of the cross, and it's in the context of being saved from this damage that's caused by being careless concerning this matter of the flesh, no matter how mature of a Christian you are, no matter how much transformation you've gone through, we still will always deal with this matter of the flesh. And I wonder if we could talk a little bit before we go on about this very fact, because I think all of us have heard of a story or know some Christian who's older, who wasn't careful, and in their carelessness regarding this matter of the flesh, they were damaged in their Christian life. Yes, Matt. This is a wonderful, preserving, and a warning word to us, a very unveiling word here that shows us that even after passing through so much in the experience of Christ, even after we attain to the a kind of a, a situation where our self-life, our soulish life has been crucified on the cross and we learn to live in our spirit in the resurrection of Christ and we've grown in Christ to reach some level of maturity in the divine eternal life. And even we attain such a high position of living in ascension, living in the heavenlies far above the spiritual forces of evil who are in the air below us. You know, this is seems like such a high attainment in the spiritual life. But we may have the erroneous thought that once we reach this stage, that we are now so spiritual that we could never have a problem with the flesh. But in God's salvation, God leaves the flesh until the day of the Lord's second coming. At the time of the Lord's coming, our fallen body, which has become the flesh through man's fall, will be transfigured. And at that point, we will have no more element of the flesh remaining. We'll be delivered from the flesh forever and ever. But as long as we are living on this earth, no matter how spiritually mature we may be, we still have this element of the flesh remaining with us. So, as Witness Lee said, every day we need to pass through the veil and enter into the Holy of Holies. Every day that we're living on this earth, we have to learn the lesson, even the deeper lesson, of experiencing the cross of Christ to break and to rend the veil of the flesh. So we should never be so self-contented that we think, oh, now I have attained to such a high state of spirituality, I could never be troubled by the flesh anymore. Even the Apostle Paul, as witnessly pointed out, he was a very spiritual person. But God gave him a thorn in the flesh to remind him that he still had the flesh with him and to prevent him from being puffed up and proud of what he had attained to in the spiritual realm. Well, maybe that's why Paul loved the Lord's appearing, Bob, because he knew at the Lord's appearing that thorn of his flesh would be gone and there would be a big hallelujah. I really love this picture, but we better go on, Bob. There's another good picture in this next section with Witness Lee, and I'd like to read Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 9, where the other women who are there, they ask the Lord's lover, the Shulamite, they say, what is your beloved more than some others beloved? O you most beautiful among women, what is your beloved more than some others beloved that you adjure us so? 
So let's go to Witness Lee and see uh, about this feeling that she had about her wonderful lover, which is a picture of Christ. Here's Witness Lee. He is altogether lovely and desirable. This is the impression of the beloved as her friend. She now considers her beloved Christ as her friend realized by her, by the lover. Well, let me say this. This impression the lover has of Christ, in case she is mature. Let me check with you. When you are asked, how much better is your Christ than others? Why to you is so sweet, but not to us? My question is, could you answer? If you ask me, I would say, okay, my Christ is the all-inclusive one. His riches is unsearchable. He is the preeminent one, first in everything. He is the first in all creation. He is the first in all resurrection. And he is first in everything in my living. And he is the God allotted portion to me for my enjoyment. My Christ, not only so. My Christ, he is the Son of God becoming a man. And my Christ, he was fresh. Yet, in his resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit. And my Christ has seven eyes in Revelation. The seven eyes. And these seven eyes are the sevenfold spirit. This is my Christ. The all-inclusive Christ. Okay. Now, they ask her where her beloved has turned that they may seek him with her. This indicating that they have been attracted by her testimony concerning her beloved. She is a pursuer of the Christ, and her kind of pursuit influences others, affects others, attracted others. Bob, I think this is a great picture for us today because she was a pursuer after Christ. And her pursuit, when she was talking about how great he was, it affected others. It influenced others to also pursue after him. These other women around her were affected by what she said. Isn't this a a wonderful picture? It is a wonderful picture, Matt. You know, if someone were to come up to me or, or any of us and ask us, what's special about Christ? Why is Christ special to you? Why is he more precious to you than a career? I'm a person who's pursuing a career, and I highly esteem this pursuit, this goal to be successful. Now, you say Christ is your goal. Now, why is your Christ better than my career? Someone asks you that. What would you say? That's a (laughs) good question. Good question, right? It all depends on our experience of him, our appreciation of him. You can see that this lover here in the Song of Songs, she appreciated her beloved, and she described him in great detail, starting with his head and going all the way down, how lovely and how excellent he was. So this shows us that we need to know Christ. And we need to become those who treasure and appreciate Christ above all other things. And the way for us to know him, of course, 
One of the ways is through the Word, through the Scriptures. The Scriptures reveal Him. So when we see Christ in the Word, then we can experience Him. Then we become an appreciator of Christ. And then when we talk to people, what comes out of our mouth is our appreciation for Christ. And as we speak about Christ, they, the listeners, get attracted by what we say. And then they want to pursue Christ with us. This is actually like the preaching of the gospel. When we preach the gospel, we preach a person, the wonderful, all-inclusive Christ, and we describe him to others, how much he loves us, how he is God who became a man just like us, and he lived this marvelous human life on the earth that expressed God and was one with God. Uh, And then he went to the cross. He died for our sins. Then he rose from the dead and became the life-giving spirit. And when he rose, he rose with his humanity. So he uplifted his humanity. And now he wants to enter into us and live in us and make us the same as he is. You know, We talk about this wonderful Christ and all his virtues and attributes when we speak to others. Then they will get attracted and they'll want to leave their pursuit and pursue Christ with us. What a wonderful picture, Bob. I reminds me of a, a verse in Philippians chapter 3. Starting in verse 8, Bob, it says that Paul counted all things to be lost on account of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, on account of whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as refuse, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is out of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is out of God, based on faith. And then he said, to know him and the power of his resurrection. So Paul was like this. He was someone wanting to know Christ more. Well, let's go on to our final section with Witness Lee here so we can know Christ more today. Chapter 6, verse 2 from the Song of Songs says, My beloved has gone down to his garden to the bed of spices, to feed in the gardens, and gather lilies. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. After seeking help from others, she realized that her beloved within her. Within her as what? Within her, considering her as his garden. Is this garden in the soul? Or is this garden in the spirit? Or is this garden in the body? We have three parts. In the garden. In what part? The spirit. In the spirit, we as a garden grow all beautiful, spiritual, divine, heavenly things. In our soul, what we grow? We grow cars, High position, promotion, to buy a bigger house. Then in our flesh, we grow hot. Oh, it's shameful to say. We grow thorns, scissors, and waste. We are a garden to him. This could be possible only we live in our spirit. Then we become a proper garden to grow all the things which are so sweet to his taste. And now she realized Christ is not only in her as a garden, Christ is also in other believers. 
as his beds of spaces for growing the spices. We always have to consider the most precious thing of the believers, whether others are away, it should be that we all live in the Spirit. Then the Spirit of ours become gardens. The Lord is feeding us that we could grow all the time, all spices, all kinds of frequencies to satisfy Him. Wow, Bob, this is really good. The most precious thing for a believer is to live in the Spirit. And when we live in our spirit, our spirit becomes a garden to the Lord where something is produced that is sweet and satisfying to Him. What a way to conclude the program today. Yes, Matt, I believe that in all of us who love the Lord, in our heart there is a desire to satisfy the Lord. The Lord has, we realize, done so much for us. But we want to produce something for his satisfaction. And related to this, in the book Song of Songs, is this matter of a garden. The Lord, the beloved, the lover said, has gone down to his garden. A garden is a lovely place, growing beautiful flowers, uh, fragrant spices. It's a place of enjoyment, a place of rest, a place of pleasure. And so here the beloved goes down to his garden to the beds of spices. So there's one garden and there's many beds of spices. And the one garden symbolizes this lover who is a lover and pursuer of Christ. And in the beds of spices typifies all the believers. So every one of us should be a garden, a bed of spices, growing something that can satisfy the Lord. But how can we be such? If we live in the flesh, what we grow is so ugly and shameful. If we live in our soul, we grow worldly worldly things, things things for our own satisfaction and pleasure. But if we live in our spirit, we can grow something that's so lovely and fragrant to satisfy Christ. This is, uh, I believe, strikes a chord in every one of us. And as we were praying here, uh, we all have this echo within, Lord I want to live in my spirit so that I can grow something for your satisfaction. Amen, Bob. I don't know how to respond other than amen and amen. I want to live in my spirit that I could have a bed of spices within me that would be something to satisfy the Lord. Amen. Bob, uh, I said at the beginning this was a special program that I that you were with me for. I, I really feel it was special. Thanks for coming and doing it with me. It's a pleasure, Matt. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the sweetness and the specialness of this program today from the Song of Songs and and how attractive our Lord is. Uh, We hope you've been attracted to him through your listening today and had a desire to leave here today by living in your spirit. If you'd like to get more information, call us at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that the entire life study of the Bible in print is available at our website, along with the archives of these radio programs, which where you can hear all of the radio programs of the entire Bible, as well as all the printed versions, all at lsm.org. 
www.bobdanker.org. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today. In Philippians 1.20, the Apostle Paul said, In nothing I will be put to shame, but with all boldness, as always, even now, Christ will be magnified in my body. How can Christ be magnified? How can he be made greater than he already is? Although he is great and worthy of all praise and honor, he still needs to be magnified in our experience of him. He needs to be enlarged in our practical daily living, and according to Paul's word in Philippians 1.19, Such a practical experience is our salvation. In a series of messages given in 1978, Witness Lee conducted a detailed study of Paul's Epistle to the Philippians, revealing its emphasis on the experience of Christ. These messages have been published in the book, The Experience of Christ, which is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order a copy from Living Stream Ministry by calling 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788.